Okay, well, we're continuing our journey through the Gospel of Luke, and this morning we're going to be looking in Luke 19, which is the story of Zacchaeus. Now, it's very interesting to say that, and just have a quick look at your faces when I said that. Um, There's a little mini experiment I thought I'd try. Zacchaeus is one of those stories that everybody knows. We've all probably known it since childhood. We hear it all the time. Um, It's the children's favorite. If you go out there doing children's work, it's almost an old standby to do the story of Zacchaeus. Um, The little man who hid in a tree so he could see Jesus. And and I have memories of it myself. Um, Even in my childhood, I was going to say 50 years ago, and then realized it's not. It's closer to 60 years ago. Being in a chapel in Wales and a a couple of nice ladies doing the story of Zacchaeus and me drawing pictures. And then I even remember going to another chapel where my uncle was the lay preacher and my auntie did the children's work and my cousins and I were acting it out in the back room. So it's a story that we're familiar with. You can talk about it a lot with with people. I think, no, they'd even do it in schools. And we say, yeah, it's great, isn't it? The story of the little man who couldn't see because of the crowd. So he got up in the tree and Jesus recognized him. And for a lot of us, that's where we switch off. That's where we just end. It's like that's what the story's about. It's much more important than that. There's a much more deeper meaning to this. I actually think this is one of the most important stories in the Bible. I have a belief that one of the most important verses in the Bible is contained in this story. So let's have um, another look at it. Interestingly enough, the story of Zacchaeus is unique to Luke. In many of the Gospels, you get the same story, um, maybe slightly variation on the story, but the same story all the way through, but not here. This one is one that Luke particularly picked up on and thought was very important to include. So, let's look at Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming along that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So a short story, and like I said, one we're all very, very, very familiar with. But there's a lot of depth to it. So let's look at it in depth. Where was it? Well, it's very clear that this is actually in Jericho. Now, Jesus is journeying towards Jerusalem. This will actually be the last encounter with somebody before we get to, I want to call them the end times, but you know what I mean. It's the last period when he runs up to the cross. When it all goes wrong from this point in many ways, the crowd support him and then turn hostile and we all know how that's going to end up and Jesus knows this as well and he's journeying through and he enters Jericho that's important because Jericho is where you cross the Jordan and it's one day's travel to Jerusalem because assuming most people are walking 
and it's a strategically important town. It's a very busy town. It's a river crossing. It's where roads cross. There's a lot going on there. It's a hub. And this is now building, as we've said, this story. This is now an entourage. It's not just Jesus and a few disciples. There's quite a crowd. There's quite an entourage. And they're making their way through. But they're going to have to stop somewhere. They're going to have to rest overnight. So what have you got here? Well, you've got a little man who can't see. And that's often what we just think it's about. But that's, I think, not the main point. The main point wasn't that Zacchaeus was a little man. The main point was that Zacchaeus was an evil little toad. He was not a good person. Jericho was one of the three tax centers in the the kingdom at the time. So you had Capernaum, Jericho, and Jerusalem. They were the where tax was gathered. Now, we all are familiar with this idea of they, they all had their little local tax collector who sat in his tax booth and he robbed people because that's how the Romans did things. The Romans were very good when they took over a country. They said, don't cause trouble because we'll kill you and pay your taxes. And that was it. They never imposed any other laws. They never imposed any other structures. They just said, pay up and shut up. That's how it works. You can keep your religion. You can keep all your other stuff. Just pay up and shut up. And they would use locals to do that. So they would use people that would be perceived as traitors. And so that's what a tax collector was. This was a Jew who was a turncoat, a Jew who'd become a criminal, who was living off criminal gains to pay the Romans. They were hated. And every community had one. They were all there. But there were three senses where it was different. It was so big, one tax collector wasn't enough. So there was a structure. You had to have tax collectors and then organizers and then the chief tax collector. That was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the head of a crime syndicate. He was the gangster boss. He was in charge of how things were ripped off in that community. And the two things that came out of that, one was, as it says, he was wealthy. He was probably obscenely wealthy. And he was hated. He was despised he was completely ostracized by the community he couldn't get past the crowd to see because he was small he couldn't get past the crowd because he was hated they wouldn't let him in matter of fact Zacchaeus probably wouldn't walk into a crowd because there's a good chance he wouldn't have walked out the other side of it he'd probably been killed knifed beaten up matter of fact he probably went never went anywhere in the dark he probably went on certain routes in daylight with bodyguards because he was detested. He was a complete and utter outcast. The community would have nothing to do with him other than hand over taxes. That's all they would do. In my mind, I have a vision of the, you know, the Hollywood actor Danny DeVito? Bolshy little guy with an Italian-American accent who always seems to play those type of parts. That's the sort of character he was. Hated, obnoxious, living off ill-gotten gains. But I suspect he probably wasn't a very happy person. He was outcast by his community, by his society, so he had something going for him. He had money and what money could buy him. But that was it. No one else wanted to know him. It reminded me of, um, there's a famous quote, I think originates with Mark Twain, but I know Bob Hope, the comedian, used it a lot. He used to say, money never buys you happiness. It makes you very miserable in comfort. And I would imagine that's probably where Zacchaeus was, where he was in himself. Not happy, but rich. 
And then what's happening? Well, he hears the commotion. There's this Jesus character coming, and there's a crowd, and there's a hubbub, and all this stuff that's going on about Jesus. And he was curious. He wasn't anxious to meet Jesus. He didn't want an encounter with Jesus. He wasn't like some of the other characters we heard about. He just wanted to look. He was just curious, and he can't see. So the only way he can do something is to try and climb a tree. Now, he was probably more than just curious because if he was in the tax collector community, he wouldn't have had many friends. He'd have had a few contacts. That's about it. But he knew that this person, Jesus, was friendly to tax collectors. In actual fact, he was more than friendly. And if you look back and you look at Luke 5 and verse 27, it's a clear story about Jesus previously meeting another tax collector. And this was in Capernaum. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Levi was Matthew. Levi had gone from being a tax collector to being a disciple, and he was there. He was with Jesus while this took place. So Matthew, so Zacchaeus probably would have known, this guy's different. He doesn't ostracize people like me. He's prepared to talk to us associate. One of his followers was a tax collector. So I'm sure there was great curiosity in himself about what's going on. Who is this guy? What's happening? And he just wants to look. So he finds a tree. It's interesting it says sycamore tree. And you think, why doesn't it just say tree? Well, apparently a sycamore tree is a very easy tree to climb. It's like a ladder. You can climb up it. So obviously he was short because he couldn't have got up a normal tree. So... And so he climbs the tree, and he looks down, and he's watching it all take place. Jesus is coming past. And then what happens? Jesus looks up and goes, Zacchaeus. What do you think he felt at that point? I've got a feeling it wasn't joy, and I've got a feeling it wasn't happiness. I've got a feeling it was like, oh, no, he spotted me. And all the crowd who hate me are looking at me, and I'm stuck in this damn tree. I'm sure that was the reaction he had at the time. That was unexpected. He just wanted to watch. He just wanted to look. He didn't want to get engaged. He didn't want to do anything else. But all of a sudden, Jesus has got him. And he says, come down. And then the killer verse, today I must stay at your house. Now, that loses an awful lot in translation. But in their culture, the verb that Jesus was using was today I must unsaddle my horse and make my and I must lodge at your house. He was actually saying I'm inviting myself to stay with you, not just to come around for tea or you know just have some dinner. I am I am inviting myself to come and be with you, or to lodge at your place, um, which is an incredible thing to happen. And Zacchaeus is like, well, yeah, great. Well, we're off. And then I think there's a gap. 
we don't know what the next bit, whether this is a few hours later after they've had a chat and a meal, or whether it's the next day after he stayed overnight. But obviously there was an interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus. And what happens? Zacchaeus is completely transformed. What does the crowd do? Or what do the locals do, the people do? They are completely and utterly shocked. This is such an affront to them and their values and the way they think. There's this person they hate, they ostracize, they will have nothing to do with, they detest utterly. He's an outcast because he's not just the enemy, he's a traitor. He's one of them who's turned. He was unclean in their culture and also in their culture to interact with him and to eat with him, let alone enter his house, made you untouchable and unclean as well. It wasn't just a bad thing to do. It was like, you just don't do it. You don't go there. And yet Jesus takes himself there. Hence the grumbling and the mumbling. And it was a bit like when Levi was called and everyone said, what are you doing? It's the same thing again. He's doing it again. He's associating with these people. He's associating with these sinners. And we see the great change, the effect it has on Zacchaeus, the complete turnaround. If you ever want a role model of what repentance looks like, this is Zacchaeus. A man who is a crook, a chief crook. And yet, bang, completely different. An encounter with Jesus. Now, we don't know what was said, but I'm sure we can all imagine what was said. But we know the reaction. We know what happened. And he then goes public and he makes this declaration. Today, I will, you know, I will give away half of my wealth. Um, I will pay back four times. We think, oh, well, that's, that's good. But actually, to the crowd, that's phenomenal. Because under Jewish law, to make restitution, you only had to give away 20%, not 50 So he's giving away a lot more. Under law, if you went to court and you were found to be guilty, you only had to pay twice. That's all damages were in Jewish law, was twice. He's saying, no, I'll pay double, I'll pay four times. Without going to court, he's actually saying, I will do all of this. Complete turnaround. Complete change. Totally different. The crowd must have been stunned. What, what happened in that room? What did Jesus say to him? How could he go from being that evil to being like that? And what does Jesus say to the crowd? He sends to them, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. That's a very, very powerful statement. This is a son of Abraham. This is one of the chosen like you think you are. He is truly chosen. He is truly saved. He's making a comment that to them we would just say, yeah, it means he's part of the club, he's one of the Christians, he's one of us, that's great. Yeah, because that's how we interpret it now today. But in those days, that was a really powerful statement. He's saying, you want to ostracize him, you want nothing to do with him, yet he's truly in the house of God. You contrast what happened here with what happened a little earlier with the story of the rich young ruler. Someone who looked the part, sounded the part, to all intents and purposes was the part, was keen to know, came to Jesus, and ended up going away 
because Jesus saw his heart. And then you have the complete antithesis, the exact opposite, a crook, a rotter, an evil person who's completely thrown out by society and has done horrible things. And yet, Jesus accepts him and forgives him, and he's completely changed. That's what repentance should be. That's what repentance should look like. I think it was, I'm not exactly sure, I think it might be Spurgeon who made the quote that generosity is not the means of repentance. It is evidence of our redemption. And that's exactly what had happened to Zacchaeus. He'd made a 180 degree change. He was not the same person. He was totally different. Not the same in any way. And I said this is one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. I think it is because it's a perfect illustration of what Jesus was often saying in parables. He wasn't now talking about different people. He was doing it. He was making living examples in front of people to actually prove the point, to shock them. I think one of the things we lose with our image of how Jesus was, and I think it's caused predominantly by the, the media and Hollywood and the way we portray things, we always portray this concept of a gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who hardly ever raised his voice, and everyone looked at him doe-eyed. It wasn't like that at all. He was radical. He was in their faces, and he was upsetting them. And I mean upsetting them, really, really upsetting them. He was flying in the face of everything they thought they believed, everything they thought they stood for. This was genuinely shocking stuff. This was really ripping them up. What? What the heck is going on here? And we can look at it and go, yeah, it's a great story. It's very nice. But I like the last verse. As I said, for me, this is one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. Verse 10. Jesus, in his own words, turns to the crowd and says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's what it's all about. If anyone ever asks you for a one-liner, what is Christianity about, try that one. That's the essence of it. This whole book boils down to that. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. As a mission statement, you can't get much better than that, can you? And that's what Jesus was trying to say to people. Whether they got it or not, don't think so. I think even the disciples didn't get it, as we know, until much later, after his resurrection. But it was a live example of making a, po- a point. It was like a living parable, this whole story. We can say, okay, great, that was, that was a good story, thanks for that. But I think there's something deeper here, because I'll tell you a little story about myself. When I was a non-Christian, I was curious. I know now it's God working in me, but at the time I was just curious. So I'd go to churches and think, nah, pull away. Um, Had some bad experiences and some good experiences. Mm. Anyway, I ended up at a Billy Graham rally, which was quite an an event. And I was at Wembley Stadium and there were about 70,000, 80,000 people there. And I was looking on, I was at the top of the gallery and I was looking on and this whole thing was taking part and I wasn't 
I wasn't engaged, to put it that way. I was enjoying the experience, and it was interesting to see and be part of, but I wasn't engaged. And then, listening to Billy Graham speak, he used a phrase which was, don't sit in the tree looking, get down. And before I knew it, I was down the front. So I've sat in a tree, and I've looked at it going on around me, and I've responded. So I can relate to this. I can relate to Zakia sitting up there, not wanting to get engaged, but just let it all go past. Because when you sit in a tree, it's actually quite good. I mean, I was a child. I used to do it a lot. I used to climb trees, get up. And you've got amazing views, and you can see a lot. And quite clever. No one knows you're there, even. And you can actually see and observe a lot. But I think God would ask us all a question. Are we sitting in a tree? Are you just looking at what's going on? Or are you engaged? I mean, as a, as a non-Christian, it's easy. Are you sitting back like I was, watching it all happen? In which case, God would say, get down and join the party. Or even as a Christian, are you sitting in a tree watching it happen? And I can think of people who I know are Christians and I know are genuine, where they do this. They sit in the tree and they watch the Christian world go by. And I would urge you, and I think God is urging us, Get out of the tree, get down, get involved, take part. Because if you sit in the tree, it will go, it'll eventually go past you. I'm going to stop there. I'm very aware of time. And do you want to have, have a song to finish with? Pardon? I'd like to pray. And then, um, and I'm well aware that there's something very regal and special going on out the back there. And I'd better let it have another 10 minutes to continue. Uh, don't all turn round, but Amos looks magnificent as a king. <laughs> so if you all sneak a preview. <laughs> but it looks fantastic, whatever it is. All right. Actually, we had fun with him the other day. I must tell you a joke before I pray. We were talking with him at the quiz night, and he said, oh, I'm going to help with the children's work. And Anita said, that's great. He said, anything I can do? She said, yeah, can you make me an ark? And he went, what? A boat? And she went, no, an Ark of the Covenant, I would need a box, you know, but it was like, <laughs> he's going to try and make a boat. <laughs> yeah, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you called me. I want to thank you that you called me out of the tree. And I just thank you for the model we have here of Zacchaeus, that we can see that however evil we are, whatever we've done, we can be called and forgiven. And we can repent. We thank you for that. Thank you for that picture we have, for that living example we have. And we thank you that you came to seek and to save the lost. Thank you for calling us. And I just pray for all of us right now. Would you help us to get down from the tree and join in to be part of everything? Would you enable us in that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'll hand back to you, is that okay?